0: And welcome to the Science Fiction Book Review Podcast. My name is Luke Burridge and this is the show where I review every single science fiction book that I read as I read it. There's no set schedule, it's just whenever I finish a book. I do the reviews, stick it up here on the podcast feed for everyone to download and listen to. Joining me today is Juliana. Say hello, Juliana. Hello, everyone. And uh, Juliana uh, just sort of groaned at me when we said science fiction book review podcast time. Not yes. grown. No, well What we're it's, trying to say is it's just... It's so
1: difficult to describe. Yeah. Before the pandemic, yeah. the podcast was a fun like, oh, we do that from time to time and I yeah. join
0: you. Put it this way. It was one of many things yes. that we could do together. Exactly. Uh, and now it feels like one of the only things that we can do together, despite spending all our time together yes. doing go, other things. And the
1: other thing is going yeah. out for bike rides or, or walks. Or go
0: for a walk or going out and that's it I saw this tweet yesterday which was sort of like things I'm looking forward to in 2022 and it was like colon and then that was the end of the tweet there was nothing else there nothing to look forward to and it feels like that's the same thing so when it gets to the point where like oh we're just we're just literally our lives are you know getting on with you with work and me Mm -hmm. with other work and projects and things And then when we we get together, we're just sort of like, oh, we'll watch a movie. We just sit down and like, we're just in like, oh, right. We've watched one movie per night for the last, what, six nights in a row or something like that. Yeah. Just kind of what we've fallen into now, which is fine. It's good. I've enjoyed watching Spider-Man 1.1, Spider-Man 1.2 and Spider-Man 1.3. Yeah.
1: Um, I mean, it's nothing wrong with it. And it's I really struggle when people are asking me how you're doing. Yeah. Because all I can say is. For the circumstances, I'm doing okay yeah. because considering everything and also every other person who struggles more, yeah. I am doing okay. Yeah, but we're doing very average. <laughs> but that's it's still not good. Yeah, I'm not good because no. my my life has been reduced down to to work, yeah. to paperwork. If I don't do paperwork uh, and organization at work, I do paperwork and organization f- yeah. at home for me for other people and yeah, yeah it's slowly grinding me down like i've been okay in 2020 i felt like oh you know what i actually i'm fine with with the being, with the, with the lockdown and pandemic. Okay. Yeah. but by now yeah. i'm really struggling but everyone is
0: but the thing is when we actually do the science fiction bo- podcast uh, when we actually talk about books and things like this it's actually fun it's no it's not a problem but it, yes. you, it's kind of you're in the position where you're kind of resenting that this is the like one of the one like creative projects that you can actually work on or whatever it's, a, it's yes. interesting
1: and it, it does it, i don't know it's difficult to explain what it makes me feel but every time you we say oh yeah let's sit down and record the podcast yeah <sighs> It's a. Uh,
0: it's a bit of a sigh. It's
1: a bit of a sigh.
0: But you know what? We're actually making other people's lives better.
1: Oh yes, I, do. I think we do. I think people I hope enjoy. We do. The,
0: hope people enjoy us talking about science fiction. That, uh, but yeah, we can kind of. I don't want to get stuck in a rut, and I realise that I we could be doing three of these a week at the moment oh, yeah. for the amount that we can that of time that we can sit and read, and you know, and you can do a book, and I can do a book, and I've actually had to like take a take a step back. I think it's because I started. I, I cleared out loads of podcasts that was yeah. listening to mm. and so now i'm listening to i used to just have like podcasts like i always, i would have unlimited amount of podcasts so i'd always have podcasts to listen to if i wanted to yeah and then the ones that i didn't get around to i would delete you yep. know and now it's the other way around now I generally don't have podcasts to listen to um, and <laughs> listen th- to all of them that and,
1: come in and
0: all of them that come in I do listen to although not all of them you know sometimes they'll be so about like you know an interview with someone who I just don't care about and yeah. I'll be like well, that's, well I'm not yeah. going to listen to that and also the, the latest um, talking about Spider-Man the latest um, uh, incomparable podcast mm. is about you know so, sometimes I'll uh, the, the last week they were like hey let's talk about the Wheel of Time uh, right. TV show
1: the Wheel Watch the yeah, first. Yeah, because I, I heard that they were
0: like, oh, before pre spoiler stuff, let's talk, you know, let's talk about this. Is it worth watching? And, mm. you know, one of the people actually writes for, uh, has a Wheel of Time podcast oh, or okay. something like that. Yeah. Like seriously into the book. And, but, like, most of the people had never read the books and were just like addressing it as a TV show. I never heard um, of this before the wheel of time mm. no i i once uh, i i once started listening to it as as, uh, as the audiobook you know yeah it was part of the uh, the the geek Knights book club was one of their picks
1: okay and i was like oh okay i'll, I'll get Who, on with who's that who's the author and what's the book
0: uh robert jordan and it was a it was a wheel of time is a is a a, a series which uh, is a one of those big chunky Fantasy series, okay, which took so long to write that he died before it was finished, and Brandon Sanderson oh. had to come in and do it. Anyway, this oh. is what this is about. I'm just saying that, like, and then we, like, because of that, I, okay. I didn't listen to the whole episode yeah. of that Incomparable, but I did. Then uh I listened up to spoiler horn when they blew the spoiler horn. I pressed stop, went and watched the first episode of the TV show, and was like, well, n- I neither have to listen to the rest of that podcast nor watch the rest of that TV show. It wasn't bad. It's just not. It's just not my kind <laughs> uh, of thing. Uh. You know, um. So and what was the other thing? Uh, oh yeah, and then this this uh, this week the, the incomparable that re- they release on Saturdays normally is the is talking about Spider Man and we've not seen the latest Spider Man movie so we nope. can't do that even though we are doing our own weird marathon where we're watching Spider Man movies not in order um, but in in tr- we're watching all of the Spider Man ones So we did Spider Man from two thousand two and then Spider Man the Amazing Spider Man from two thousand and. Eight, was it or something like no, that and no. then also spider-man homecoming from 2016 whatever yes. that was so
1: and also we're kind of having to watch them depending on and we we do availability have, yeah. yes we do have a lot of apps for streaming we yeah. do also have subscriptions to scream streaming yeah. services. Unfortunately, then no. no like- the only
0: one that we'd have to pay for now is is the Spider Man Two with to- the Tobey Maguire Spider Man Two. So it's yes, a, it's and that Spider-Man makes 2.1. me
1: super annoyed. Well, well, we'll just pay
0: for it. It's only like three ninety nine or I something. I know. We'll it's get not to
1: about it. that. It's ha- we have to pay for it. It also is that some. Uh, the, the movies you, oh, you all have to out they around. spread around yeah. all the different apps and that's just oh, ah yeah. come on people make it nice for the, customers. The Apple
0: TV app is pretty good because you can search in there and it yep. lists if it's available anywhere except Netflix. You only actually have to search two places: Netflix app and the Apple TV app. True. And then and but then it's annoying that oh this one is on the join network. You're like, what's the join? Well, what, what's the what, join what's app? This now? Yeah. Anyway, it anyway, doesn't matter. What I, all podcast. I want to say is that like um I've not just had to, not have I just taken a, a break from listening to so many podcasts or like unsubscribed from lots of podcasts and been more selective in that way yeah. I'm also having to kind of be a bit more selective in the in the books that I read otherwise I'm just going to blast through too many books yeah. and then it feels like then an obligation to to read, to then do a review of every single book or because whatever. Because it's so,
1: literally in the title. Yeah, in the, in the I review intro. every
0: single science fiction book that I read. I mean I could easily just read like books that I've read before and I'm quite enjoying uh, reading a novella and that because that's quite interesting i'm like oh it's a novella by Mm -hmm. it's a called um runtime by s v s b divya Divya, Mm -hmm. uh who i reviewed on the last episode and i was like oh i can just read that and because it's a novella i'm like oh and i don't actually have to think about this or try and you know to think about discussing it for the for the podcast however another podcast let's get on to today's episode okay um how is it going with uh with hellspark
1: Yeah, getting through it. Good. I'm like 60% into it now. Yeah,
0: which is way further than I (laughs) finished reading. So this is a book about a hyper-competent polyglot um, translator woman... Mm-hmm. Who helps is, is, you know, is is helping people out and explaining language misunderstandings yeah. to each other.
1: And uh, just generally helping out at a research yep. uh, trip.
0: <laughs> Today, we're going to not talk about that book. We're going to talk about uh, Babel 17, or oh. Babel, Babel 17, okay. by Samuel R. Delaney, which is about a hyper competent polyglot translator lady who is brought in and she also spends time explaining cultural differences and language differences between two t- t- people. Here here we go. Um, it's funny want, that Babel one, 17 is it, it feels like this book weighs heavy on science fiction in many ways. Like it's, it's either influential or it's dealing with themes which have been talked about many other times. But yes. carry on.
1: I just want like one what? thing that immediately just jumped into my head just reading it. Yeah. Is this where the Babel fish comes from in uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Well, no,
0: it's it's the same it's the same root um, in the Bible. The Tower of Babel or the Tower of Babel, yeah, um, is where all the languages of the world comes from. Right. What happens is humans were being too hubristic. They decide to what hubristic too much hubris they were like me and play gods oh right. and they're like mm-hmm. we want to build we want to get to heaven oh the way that we're going to get to heaven is we're going to build a <laughs> tower, tower that's yeah. tall enough yeah. to get all the way up to heaven and yeah. once we reach it we'll be equal with god or something like that yeah. i don't know i don't know how they do and god was like well we can't have humanity working together all the time we're going to sow <laughs> strife and um and we're going to make each worker have their own tongue
1: Ah. Uh. Okay.
0: And they Good say ev- <laughs> everyone has their own language, and then they're like, "Oh, we can't do it." And and that's how the Persians speak Persian, and that's how the Assyrians speak Syrian, and that's mm. how the you know Egyptians speak. I was gonna say Egyptian, but Coptic. I don't even know what they are. Yes. Yeah, whatever the languages that they were wanting to speak in all these different places. It's it's a myth mm. that is ha- why lots of people speak different languages.
1: Okay, makes sense then to call a device that translates stuff into yeah. your ear. Yeah. A babblefish. A
0: babblefish a babel fish babel, babel in, you know, uh babel babel, babel. 17 uh, right. it's got a hyphen in the name babel hyphen 17 like slaughterhouse 5 slaughterhouse hyphen 5 okay. you know, there's not a not a space there babel 17 so um the the book is actually let me go over to my notes because I probably had a way that I wanted to talk about this in my notes uh um so yeah it's actually uh what happens at the start of the book we've got uh, a rider wong is someone who is so good at language she's almost telepathic in fact she is telepathic but not quite telepathic she can she can she knows just by the language that people use mm-hmm. exactly what they're thinking and how they use the language reveals exactly what they're thinking and she okay. uses her amazing polyglot language skills to not only be able to read people's minds to be able to go, oh, that person's exactly flirting with me and has fallen in love with me, and that person is doing, talking with that person. You know, she can read people easily, just why, you know. Uh, all, the, all the words that they that use. exactly so the, words, the language, yeah. Um <laughs> But also she's a poet because then she uses her language superpower. And if you're going to use a language superpower, you become the most famous poet in the galaxy and, you know, have lots of fame. And mm. when she turns up places, they're like, Ryder Wong, where do I know that from? Oh, <gasps> Ryder Wong, come and eat dinner with me. You're now a guest of honour. And the whole idea, and this is, this kind of idea has been played up in science fiction so many times that the, one of the most famous Famous successful people in the world is going to be a poet this happens in hyperion and mm-hmm. other other books as well like poet oh yes poet and it kind of it's i always find it weird how it's uh, this book and many other books like this is like the author showing their hand that they want the most important person to be, to be someone f- who's really really good with, with language, language. you like why uh-huh. do you think that yeah oh, because I'm really good with language because I'm a I'm a professional author. You're like, are you really? And it just so happened, which is totally fine. Like I literally wrote a science fiction book where there's a juggler as a main character. Like yeah, it's, it's uh, like- Why um, would you um, not? What, what, what do I know from in the inside of being a juggler? How would I make that interesting to for that to be somebody's um, superhero power, not superhero, whatever, the science fictional superpower, yeah. like the mind of a juggler has a, a unique ability and we're going to leverage that into making them really cool- Fighting something, something, what, 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 whatever. Uh, strategy. Yeah. Uh, you know, the same kind of thing with like, oh, this person who worked as a disc. And, and it, like, the closer those things that people work at, like Alistair Reynolds worked for the European Space Agency in astronomy, something, something. Mm-hmm. And you're like, and that could then gets put into his books, you know. Of course. Um, but because, again.
1: Because I think. If you're a writer, you, you, you feel very comfortable yeah. writing from writing about the, writing. the position where you are. And then that's obviously then the, the, the place where you're more yeah. you're, the expert. In. You have the
0: same thing with like Ready Player One. Oh, just so happens being a real nerd about a, a 1980s pop culture is the thing that makes you popular with the ladies and something, something, save the world, something, something. Anyway, I, I'm not again, not wanting to uh, have anything against an author who wants to have them one of the most important people in the world to be really good with language yeah uh, the setup for this book is Riwa Wong is brought in as a consultant to the um, to some military matter right uh, brought in by some general. Or brigadier, some admiral, maybe an admiral, can't remember, it doesn't matter. I've finished this book a week, a military
1: ago, ranked something person, something like
0: that. And they said, Hey, there's this code, could you help us b- crack this code? And she's like, Yes, I'll help you crack the code. Goes away for a bit, comes back, says, like, I've worked out this isn't actually a code, this is a language, you know. Okay, so and the difference between a code and a language is that a code is something that you you have some language, that like you have something written or yes. spoken, and you translate that or encode it into something. You
1: encode it. You yeah.
0: encode it, yeah. and then to, to read it again, read it back out again, you decode it, yes. and then it's, it, it's, it's... It's the same yeah. language again. Yeah, so that's what like a, a codec is. It's a coding, decoding format. format. Right. In the same way that a modem is a modulator, demodulator, M-O, modulator, D D E M yeah D is is the modular. oh yes yeah, so it's the same thing yeah, yeah. modem you know uh, so that's what the difference is. like this can be encoded and then decoded for human consumption and right. she says this can't be decoded into mm. english or into whatever other language it, it all of the meaning only can all of the meaning in the language is only there if it's untranslated
1: yes and also if you have if you have a code and you, you are or a, a, a piece of text and you are coding it, um, you need kind of like a a key that needs to be like a, a, an original. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, then you need Yeah, if
0: you can, uh, the, uh, the whole about thing about a code uh, is, or a cipher or whatever it is, like, yes, if you have that key, yeah. you plug that key in, do the process, mm-hmm. and it all falls out. And, of course, that's what you need for codecs and um, yeah. modems and, and if, all if
1: that, that. if that doesn't exist, then... Yeah. Yeah.
0: then it isn't it isn't if it doesn't exist it's no longer a code yeah. it's a language as he yeah. said this is actually a language and I've started to be able to because I'm um, super super. my superhero power is polyglotness um, <laughs> I managed to decode this and also from this I've decoded where this next attack is across the other side of the galaxy there's some there's like the three galaxies or the five th- there's five different races spread across three galaxies okay. and there's some kind of enemy which are the invaders mm. um, which is some whatever like some space space opera kind of stuff
1: some alien race yeah
0: so she's like hey what i need to do is because of this i've now decoded not Mm. decoded I've now translated I've understood by being able to read this I've understood where uh, the next attack is so let's go over there I need to get a crew together and she had a pilot's license from a previous life before she was a um, uh, before she was a uh, a poet or before she was a successful poet okay yes and she's like well I've got my pilot's license let's get a crew together So she gets a crew together of 32 people I don't know a specific number of people and this is actually quite a fun section of the novel at the start of the book you're like let's get the crew together and it's one of those things Yeah, go over here talk to these people right I need some pilots and I also need some people and th- and this is where all the world building comes in there's these incorporeal people so in other words people who've died but then their spirit lingers on somehow but it's like technological their bodies are actually in some tanks but then they've got like projecting themselves maybe again it's not always very clear about okay. this kind of stuff you also got these characters who are these sets of characters who are like in these um, triple relationships like not like so you've got three people in a like polyamorous it, yeah people. polyamorous three th- th- a triple marriage whatever right and um and they're like oh we need every ship needs one of those as their eyes ears and nose smell maybe I can't remember okay. um, yeah. so like different senses uh, and so <laughs> okay. they go off to this other place and then they and then it, the the story comes to a halt when there's a party and the, you know this is Samuel Delaney. so what you have to do at some points is just go out for a drink somewhere and like oh <laughs> let's go out for a drink <laughs> <laughs> okay. so a um, the story continues and uh, I could get into what what could be called spoiler territory but I can't really talk about spoiler territory what I've got to do is talk about the main theme of this book and that is this power of language Right. The, in the Sapir-Whorf hypothesis. Do you know the Sapir-Whorf hypothesis, which I should actually look up here? The Wikipedia page. Linguistic relativity. The Sapir-Whorf. Am I pronouncing that? Sa- Sapir-Whorf. Yeah, Sapir-Whorf hypothesis. Do you know Warf, about
1: this? Like, Worf is in the... Uh, the from uh, Star Trek. No, <laughs> that's
0: Warp. That's the Warp drive. Go to Warp 12. No, 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 12. not
1: Warp. The, the guy... Oh, maybe I'm get
0: totally Oh, up. no, the Klingon. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, Worf. Yes. Is that Worf? I guess. Maybe. I don't know. I, the the I, name just... Maybe. I'm not sure if it's named after Sapirwath. Uh, either and way... What, th- what is it? This is the idea that the language that you speak influences your thought or allows you to have thoughts which aren't possible if you speak a different language. Absolutely. What?
1: I totally agree.
0: You totally agree. Yeah, which is it's been debunked many times over. Either way, is it? The, yeah, the, but the, there the, is certainly like. The, here's the thing. There, if you can, I even think it says here like there's this uh, a strong version and a weak version. The strong version is linguistic determinism that says language determines thought and that linguistic categories limit and determine cognitive categories. Um, this version is generally agreed to be false, false by modern ah, linguists. Yes. The weak version says that linguistic categories and usage only influence thought and decision. Research on weaker forms has produced some positive empirical evidence for a relationship. so okay let's say, let's say that the weak form is, is, is there may be something to there may be something to that which I often well let's get into it let let's drill down into this. This may be true. this may be true.: Right. Um, but I don't think it's uh, anything to do with a language. I think it's just to do with being uh, like a paradigm, you know, like if you like with, with, with when there's a, a, an established paradigm of thought of acceptance or whatever right. like that. Uh, I can talk to you this now. My first, my first encounter with the Sapir Wharf hypothesis was when I was talking, when I was chatting online about juggling, mm-hmm. and back in the early two thousands, the only way to properly communicate a lot about juggling was with text, right? And writing out long parts of tech, like long descriptions of text, like before yeah. that, before the, the internet, description it was of
1: actions. Yeah, it
0: was it was books. Like I learned juggling from somebody, you know, from a little juggling course, which mm. is I I'm now teaching or have been teaching a juggling course for the last twelve weeks. I've talked a twelve week juggling course here in Vildau at the mm-hmm. local university, and it's really interesting going all the way back and being like, all right, three balls, let's go, you know, or two yep. balls, let's go, yep. one ball. But back then, I learned three balls, and then there was a trick like Mills Met, and how do you describe what Mills messes in a book. With diagrams. And I bought a book. Visually?
1: No, you can't
0: do it. I bought a book called Beyond the Cascade. And there was even a section at the start that was like, oh, yeah, uh, it was really difficult to describe to somebody how to do Mill's mess. Mm. Like this foundational trick or this like classic, like modern classic trick, What even to say. Like like, how do you even describe it? And then they're like, and I drew these diagrams. And then with these diagrams, somebody learned it. So I was like, oh, these diagrams of how to describe juggling patterns made someone or let somebody learn mills mess okay um the thing is though that this it's really difficult to write down in language and to describe juggling so the mathematicians came up with something called side swap which is like a mathematical notation for how to do juggling patterns yes and there's this whole world of juggling out there which is based on side swaps and the patterns are very satisfying you know a lot of them are really there so when i was like trying to talk about like online about the limitations of Siteswap swap and why synchronous specifically synchronous sight swap is like the worst design thing ever and i came up with my own notation system called beatmap which is instead of talking about throw height it's talking about what is each hand doing on each beat right. and i was explaining to people and I was trying to explain that. Look, if you say if you only go by the rules of what is a possible in mathematics, what's mathematically possible with site swap, yeah. it will limit your, you know, your thinking about juggling. Yes. And as an as an example of this, I was like, look, there's this thing called which you can call a squeeze catch, which happens when side swaps break, when side swaps fail, like mm. when the notation fails, when you're Something writing down some numbers, happens. when you're writing yeah. down some numbers and say, no, that is no longer a valid site swap, which mm. is this mathematical juggling notation, it, it isn't broken in beatmap. Beatmap, you can just write that down and go, okay, what when this other one is an, quote-unquote, air quotes, scare quotes, invalid site swap, mm. what is actually happening there? Mm-hmm. And I say what is actually happening there is a squeeze catch. And I demonstrated that and Lurch showed lots of patterns. And, but now, 20 years later, a squeeze catch is a normal piece it's of part terminology. Of ca- part of
1: the the yeah, catalog is,
0: is a normal part. Beatmap isn't though. You no. know, beatmap no. is something that existed, but it was it was and but and people said, ah, oh, you're just you know the Sapir Whorf hypothesis has been di- disproved, or you're trying to use the Sapir Whorf hypothesis to say that beatmap is superior to sight swap or mm. something. All of this to say is that. It isn't. It's just a paradigm, you know. It's like wh- what is like, you know. It's more of like a like the the what is it the the paradigm shift if you know this from the the book the what is it the the revolutions of scientific thinking. The idea being that there's some way to explain all observed phenomena in a in a certain way. Right. The classic being you know like Newtonian gravity, yes, you know, yeah, yeah. Newtonian physics, and you're like, oh, that explains everything mm, except the orbit of Mercury and <laughs> the speed of light and all these other yeah. kind of stuff. And then Einstein are like, how about relativity? General special whichever one it is, and and people are going, oh, this is it explains it, and now of course even to this day you're getting you still get loads of news articles which are saying, oh, uh, Newton's theory of relativity has been of general relativity has been proved correct again, and you're like, oh, okay, cool. So yes, we are we living are, in the uh, and, but, then, <laughs> but there's some things that it doesn't explain, like really close to a, a black hole mm-hmm. or very like quantum stuff. You know, you get into. So that's the whole point of this is that for me. The more important thing is the culture that people grow up in. Yes. It's not about the language because... Side swap isn't based on language And general relativity isn't based on language It's based on maths and just like What is expected from physics at the time What is expected from juggling at the time yeah. It turns out when it was too Difficult to share juggling visually In other words but via video mm-hmm. Everybody was resorting to Writing out descriptions of tricks Writing about juggling yeah. And a mathematical notation Which was a very easy way Of communicating throw height So now if I say to a juggler do a three and I said that to a group of 20 jugglers Who all knew about If I say do a three mm-hmm. They would all do pretty much exactly the same thing And if I said do an eight They would all do exactly the same thing It's very yeah. handy It's a very easy it's shortcut established But very system. few people now are like Oh yes, site swap is the way that we communicate juggling No it isn't How we communicate juggling now Is via Instagram clips Right. You know. Yeah. And it turns out that when you're juggling And you're sharing things via Instagram clips it doesn't matter what mathematical notation may or may not be applied to it. Nobody now watches Kellen Quinn do a crazy trick with a club and say, oh, give me a text description of that and, if possible, make it as mathematically correct as possible with sight Right? Nobody thinks that way. Nobody says that way. Juggling as a visual medium went from being completely physical and visual Mm. up until, say, the uh, mid-80s And then through to about 2005, or let's say 2007, when YouTube came along, there was this gap where juggling communication was most easily done via a mathematical notation and Mm -hmm. text. Mm -hmm. And then after that, it was most easily communicated, like new juggling ideas were most easily communicated again via video. And right. then with iPhones and, you know, cam cameras Easy being more access, yeah, yeah. easier publishing via YouTube and then Instagram, well now Insta- YouTube and Instagram. It made it made it that juggling, that, that I, I almost think there's like this dip, not a dip, but like these phases, you know, these paradigms of how juggling was communicated. Yes. And now nobody gives a shit about site swaps anymore.
1: But lots of people still do.
0: Like okay, put it this way: for if you're saying, "Hey, what's the new trick?" Yeah. are like okay, let me film it to you and send it to you. Let me show it to you. Yes. It's now all juggling has on the internet has moved completely away from talking about juggling and completely to showing, showing people yeah. juggling. Yeah. You know.
1: I um, I think, um the 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 juggling thing is is a good example. Mm. But I think uh. Also a good example is our life. Yeah. How we grew up in different cultures, different yeah. languages. Yeah. And how often we just perceive things yeah, quite different. Yeah. Because we don't have the same background. Yeah. And um and that's immediately what I thought about it is true. talking about this
0: with time based things and for that's example a, that yeah. German the way that Germans think about time is different from how English British English people think about time yeah um which is which is totally fine, which is totally fine.
1: it's not it's not like that we think different of time, but yeah. we ha- we communicate and this is the key thing this is
0: the key thing yeah. Because you're German and you think about time in one way and I'm English and I just have a, a very, it's very subtle, it's very slight, subtle thing. Su- that it, makes it, it harder. It, it, that's the one that makes it even harder. Yes. It's one of those really subtle things where you'll say something, I'll say something. And then I'm like, just to be clear, we're talking about this moment on that day. And you're like, no, no, this one. And I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I asked for a yes. clarification. And, and also
1: because I'm using yeah. your language, yeah. your system. Yeah. Yeah. I sometimes don't have the capacity to yeah. think of okay, wha- what what is the actual, what word is the word, real, you know? t- true way of communicating it correctly in yeah. your language. And,
0: and here is the big jump, which science fiction always wants to make, yeah. which is, some people think about things slightly different based on the culture that they grow up in. Scratch that out. The language that they speak. Therefore, if we teach them a new language, mm. they will have superpowers. And this is that it's that leap, which always really annoys me. Okay. The difference between the book stories of your life by Tai Chiang Mm -hmm. or story of your life and the movie Arrival. Yeah. Is that in one of them in the the book, in the story. Yeah. um, The main character discovers by like, uh, like learning this new language as alien language and starting to be able to think in the new language. Yes. They uh, they view the outcome of their life differently. Yeah, they can perceive time differently, and yeah. that's the only thing that happens is that they then have like instead of seeing time linearly, like mm. as the A then B then C then D then all that kind of stuff. Yeah, they are seeing at every point in wherever they are in the story, they are going. A plus B plus C plus plus F plus D plus it doesn't like the order of it doesn't matter. Yeah. But they don't exist any further into the future and they can't have any more knowledge any further in the future. They just at any moment think of themselves as like their experiences or what their personality or what their, you know, what their viewpoint is, is like a a superset of all all time, right? But only up until where they know. And in the movie, they're like, "Oh, and if you have a different perception of time, it means you can get information from the future." And you're like, mm, mm-hmm. "No, it, that wasn't my reading of the book." You know? Yes. Yeah. And this is the this is the thing that keeps coming up with. In, with this Sapir, Sapir-Whorf hypothesis In in science fiction books Happens in Snow Crash again They're like oh We're going to reprogram the mind And in doing so We can It's a weapon or something Less so in that one But it keeps coming up That the idea That the, the, it, it, they go to the strong version Of the Sapir-Whorf hypothesis Yes That learn a new language mm-hmm. And gain new magical abilities Yeah Or be able to do things That other humans can't do Outside of human Like normal human cognition Definition. Yeah. And that... It, you know, it even comes up in Dune, you know, they have the different languages and the battle languages and the Benny Jesseret languages and the spoken and the voice, you know, you do yeah. the voice yeah. and like, what is it about the voice? You're not really sure like what's going on there, but you use whatever the voice is And it's something, you know, that either makes you follow. It makes yeah, the person, it's about the tone following. of voice or the, 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 whatever it is, you know, whatever it is like the The, yeah. the what is it? kinesics kinetics, kinesics and uh, pro- proxemics, all the stuff that yeah. I talk about in Hellspark. Yeah. Or sorry, Hell's Park. Mm. Because that was the second time I said it. Every other time you say it, you've got to say it the other way. Yeah, yeah, and anyway, they make this jump. They make this jump. And, uh, yeah, I don't know what I'm trying to say about this, but, like, books about this where, like, oh, what happens? Oh, she's learned this new language. She's learned Babel 17. And then she starts thinking in the language. And how does your life change? Like, what new abilities do you gain? What... What, like, can you reprogram someone by teaching them a new language?
1: Well, I want to put in something here. Yeah. I think what it always comes back down to is that if you are learning a new language, yeah. What you will learn is you learn way more about yourself Mm -hmm. and your own culture, yeah. Then you actually can learn in the new language. There are restrictions because depending on the time that you start learning it yeah. you won't learn everything you won't be able to perceive everything in that language yeah but what you do understand is that it is the the shortcomings of your own language and your own cultural understanding yeah and i think in basically that becomes the superpower yeah. because by um Restricting yourself to one language, no, but you to one can't culture. use the
0: word superpower when I'm saying it oh, isn't no, no. a superpower. Yes, you th- can't th- then say that becomes your superpower. It isn't a superpower.
1: Okay, did I just say? I'm sorry. You said mean... it becomes
0: a superpower, and I'm saying no, okay. it can't be a okay. superpower because superpowers don't exist. Okay, it doesn't. It's not yeah. a superpower. Okay. I
1: don't. I I didn't want to say okay. that. What I wanted to say is is that it becomes, um, um, an addition to you as the person. Right. That you. That you get out of the the box that you were in, and you notice yeah. how much you were in the box. You would not know that yeah. unless you start learning about other cultures and, yeah. and languages. But that's but that's it.
0: Yeah, there's a section in the book where it where it talks through all of the tenses in in Finnish.
1: Yes, ha. and there's like sixteen. <laughs> is it tenses? Am I even using the same finish. word or something like that? Finnish is a
0: no, not tenses. What is it? Um, Finnish. Tenses, no, it's not what tenses. That, but no,
1: but that's past and future. Yeah, no, it's stuff. not future no, it's, tenses. It's the, uh, it's
0: what finish grammar for quick guide to finish grammar, grammar for beginners yeah. <laughs> no it's not it's not tenses it's um, what's cases, it verb conjugations case. cases, cases, cases verb conjugations and stuff yes. like that yeah. and there's like uh, you know uh, oh, it's saying here you've got to spend 10,000 hours to learn finish yeah. anyway, anyway in the like, book it runs through all of them yeah. so it's the you know the thingy case the accusative case mm-hmm. the I, I don't I don't even know what the cases are but it's sort of like every single situation has one so there is no way to say the cat sat on a mat and then say a cat ate dinner because the word cat would change like yes. there isn't just one thing no, not like one word you, for you'd the, have to yeah. conjugate that verb and English in, has in in, in a, the nouns and yeah a
1: very low number of cases yeah, which yeah. is why when you learn german oh, yeah, you so already difficult. have and that we only have what is it four four cases yeah
0: four yeah but there's a, and a thing is a t- as someone who's learning german there's there's more cases there's more to it, more to it than that there's yes. more to it than that and also a one word will mean one thing in one case and then the same word will have a different meaning in a different case for a different situation like which is again no you just gotta you gotta learn it for whatever here's the thing um if if you know how to speak finnish you don't know anything more about cats no you you're not better at looking after cats like you're well, I not think
1: I would maybe say in Finnish because uh, they also have lots of words about snow. Nope. You might be more an uh, expert We can't talk about, about, about how many words snow. for snow
0: there are. That Again, that is purely, utterly cultural and specific where you are brought up it doesn't matter how many words there are for snow if you live in the desert it's no problem it's it's literally what they talk about in dune like in the book dune there are no words for snow and there's 40 words for different kinds of sand that you can walk across or whatever so in a
1: situation because of your specific knowledge of that no
0: no you don't know You don't know. If you know the words for 40 different kinds of sand, You it doesn't mean that you know how to walk across the sand.
1: Yes, but then, yes, it does. No, you don't.
0: You have to learn how to walk across the sand 40 different ways. If there's 40 different words for sand and each one talks about how you walk across the sand, you have to know... You have to be taught all 40 of those ways to walk across the sand, and then you know what those words mean. You know what they actually mean. You knowing the language doesn't teach you how to walk across the sand, it just doesn't. Okay, there is no it, that's not what language is. Language is you, the language is only. Relev- like if there's a difference in the language, it is only relative you to the culture the and the context and the upbringing and everything that comes along with it. The language itself isn't, isn't the thoughts, the right. language itself isn't the knowledge, the language itself isn't the superpower. That's that's literally what I'm trying to say about all of this. Okay. Learning a language... Here's the thing. Okay, let's go back to the real world here again. They talk about, oh, in Turkish, there's no gendered pronouns. Yes. Guess what there is in Turkey? Massive sexism. Massive... Amounts of uh, you know, like people are still men and women. Like there, it's not like oh, we have no gendered pronouns. Yeah. Therefore, everybody is equal. Now there are books where this is where this is can be done. You know, there are it, there is science fiction about this kind of thing. You right. know, even yeah. we're talking about before about uh, you know the the, gen, the the single gendered pronouns in Ancillary Justice, or Ancillary yeah. Sword, that that kind of stuff. There is interesting science fiction to be had about that, but the world that there's put there, there are still male characters and female characters that we as readers are that information of actually what their gender identity is or if they even have a gender identity is hidden from us is an interesting writing experience and an interesting reading experience and an interesting everything experience it's very it can become very good literature it can become very good science fiction it become it can become very good political advocacy it can become very good you know representation it can be everything like that it doesn't mean that there's no that there's no sexism and no genders. Yes, that it, language isn't determining reality.
1: Yes. Okay. Now I get what you mean. You see what I mean. Yes. Okay. So yes, language can only ever exist in the culture and in yeah. the context. Yeah. And this is why I think Latin is such a difficult thing to study. <laughs> yeah. Because. We Tell me more. don't know how to pronounce it. First of all, yes, um, and and so all these. Um, I mean, we we, we do, do know how to all
0: the all the pope. The pope speaks Latin. All the all the Vatican stuff's done in Latin. Uh, we don't know how mm. people. We don't know how people spoke Latin back in uh, back that's in the what day. I mean, yes, but that's irrelevant to me because, like, how we spoke English, like. 50 years ago yes, i was doing the, was i was doing the 1930s radio voice you read, oh the humanity oh, oh, like that like people's yes. people's voices change and pronunciations change yes, that's true you go back to chaucer and try reading that you're like oh fuck like
1: yeah but for to to actually understand people that speak a certain language it does it's not sufficient to just learn the language and then you know yeah how to behave you no know, you don't yeah you know. that's the whole point what
0: and that's what i think hellspark is doing it's talking about much better in a way worse in a in a in a way which i think is really clunky and unsatisfying but at least it was saying there's more to more communication to yes. and there's more to cu- culture clash than yes. a misunderstanding of language
1: yes so it doesn't matter if if you know the word for the word that's in your language you also need to know what the impact of saying this word yeah. in that other languages it is yeah yeah
0: and here's the thing you can't get that from translating a text yes and this is this is my issue with um again like arrival the movie and yeah. also now babel 17 babel 17 and a lot of these other books which try and do the same kind of thing right. like this they learn a new language then they start thinking in that language and their brain is reprogrammed mm it it isn't no oh, i it get it it isn't yeah. some things are possible in some languages that aren't in others or some patterns of thought might be more possible but those patterns of thought are possible we're not i'm not saying in more language some languages can reflect a pattern of thought better than other languages yes but those patterns of thought are still possible even if those don't even even if it doesn't work here's the thing people invent Programming languages. And mm. the reason why they come up with a new programming language, so they're like, ah, this thing in this other language can do that, and this thing in another language. Like, programming languages, you can do a, a Sapir Wharf hypothesis and say, oh, with this other language, more things are possible. It's like, yes. But even this book acknowledges they're like, hey, there's this thing called COBOL and on off. Uh, they're talking about languages in mm. the in the Bible seventeen, and and of course it's in the 19, This is written in nineteen sixty seven or whatever. So right. they're like, oh, and COBOL is a computer language, and you know what a computer language is? A computer language is something that you have to you can write into a computer, so you don't have to use on off, which is like binary, like one zero zero one, like punch cards. Yeah, like COBOL is written so you can write like human understandable. And it's it's funny that this book written in the nineteen sixties is kind of having to actually tell people. What a computer what language, language, you know. So what when a was it actually
1: written? Like you said, in the sixties, but like beginning. Uh,
0: yeah, nineteen sixty-six. It came out.
1: And in uh, in relation to the other books of uh, Samuel Adlerani, you oh, read. Oh well, yeah, I'm going. I'm
0: going backwards through them. So here's the thing. He uh, he he wrote. Um, uh, Babel seventeen, this one won the Nebula. Okay. He won the he wrote the Einstein intersection. Yeah. Also won the Nebula. And then he wrote Nova, which was I think nominated okay. for both of so Be- you Nebula literally read and read Nova I, yeah. first,
1: then Einstein Intersection. Yeah, not and now on purpose. Not on purpose. Babel six, 17.
0: Um so just before just before I move off of the Sapir Wharf kind of stuff. Yeah. This book has some has some very clever things to say about lingu- linguistics and Sapir Wharf hypothesis. Okay. Um
1: Does it ever like Directly, no this this hypothesis the hypothesis did exist at that time yeah,
0: it did exist, okay, so I'm d- sure I'm knew- sure it did either way uh, it, it says here, I actually just read the Wikipedia page. He said Delaney describes himself as having been a diehard believer in the Sapir wharf. as expressed in Babel 17. He eventually decided that it was just incorrect because it fails to take into account the whole economy of discourse, which is a linguistic level that accomplishes lots of soft-edge conceptual contouring around ideas. Mm. Uh, Whether we have available a one- or two-word name for it, Uh, Or a set of informal many-word descriptions that are not completely fixed. Uh, In other words, he was he's saying the same kind of thing that I was talking about juggling. It doesn't matter that we have a word which, if I say to lots of jugglers, they all do the same thing: do a three, and every all jugglers do the same thing. Or I could say like throw a ball from one hand to the other, or at about head height, which has got in you know in your normal pattern of juggling enough place for two beats in between, because that's what a three is. You know what I mean? I could I could say it out loud in it but it doesn't matter if there's one word attached to something or a description a long description of something yeah that thing can either be precise or it can be fuzzy and it doesn't matter how fuzzy a word we put onto something precise or how precise a word we put onto something which is actually really fuzzy mm. it doesn't change what the thing is yes you know yeah philo- philosophically scientifically methodological methodologically or anything like that you know yes I mean, this is
1: literally how I do learn languages.
0: Yeah. And here's the thing. Science fiction creates a world which is then very easy to say everything is precise, everything is exact. Mm. And we can just ignore all the stuff that isn't because it doesn't make for good plot and it doesn't make for good reasoning or whatever.
1: But also language is also messy.
0: Language is messy unless you live in a science fiction world where someone can just magically polyglot their way out of a situation. Yeah. You know, if they can just magically know enough about a language to start thinking in that language. Again, there's some really clever stuff in this book, but the story itself kept falling flat for me because it's a writer who wants to use writing and words To tell a story And they want their main character To be a hero because of writing mm. It doesn't make an, if It didn't make for me An interesting enough story Or an interesting enough idea Or an interesting enough Like just concept or plot Or anything like that To pull me all the way through the novel Okay Because it kept on being interrupted right? Literally at the end of the book They're like oh These two characters That would come back From the beginning of the book You don't know about Don't care about They've got to do something important But on the way to doing something important They're going to go to a club And they're going to have some drinks together And they're going to watch a show And I'm like, fuck, we've done this How many times in these N- Delaney novels Are we going to do this? I parties
1: is obviously uh, important
0: Very important to Delaney He likes talking He likes having characters going and having parties Which is fine But this is like in the last chapter Or the last sec- second to last chapter in the book And it's going towards the climax And there's just a break where two characters Just go and have a drink together yes, for a while
1: but and I'm, I'm making an important point here yesterday we watched a documentary on netflix yes 14
0: peaks 14 peaks yeah
1: and the last i don't know that was part of the last 10 minutes or so yeah like or half maybe maybe 15 minutes um when they they came to the camp of uh, k2 yeah and they found a whole bunch of mountaineers who were yeah. very depressed and said no this can't be done this yeah. year and what the person did? Was what have did a they a party. Do, Was have a party? Yeah, and they and also we climbed about- three
0: mountains while hungover. Uh, yes. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. We that was important for the story. That at that moment, for storytelling purposes, they had to show that when they were left there, that they arrived at K2. Exactly as I said, everyone's spirits were really down. Yeah. And actually what people needed was their spirits lifted and motivation. And then we have a party. Yes, It wasn't like we've just got through an hour and 20 minutes of this th- of this um uh, thing, you know, this whatever, this, this documentary. Yeah. Now we're going to leave the mountain. We're not going to even talk. We're not even going to be with our mountaineers all mm. this time. Two other characters who have been incidentally mentioned in the story so far, we're going to go to a different city with them and we're going to spend 20 minutes seeing them going out for some drinks and having a conversation. Okay. Okay, that's the difference. In the movie, it's in the, it's in the service of storytelling and character building that it talked about these guys going down to Kathmandu and, and partying for too late, getting up hungover and then climbing one of the 14 highest mountains in the world. <laughs> that insane. tells me everything I need to know about this group of climbers yeah. and what they need to do. Yeah. They're risking their lives 14 times in six months to climb or whatever what it, whatever they were going yeah. for like that. It shows me their character. And I even mentioned to you before, it felt like, you know, Lewis Hamilton driving at the highest level and then going off to fashion shows and people are going, hmm, you can't be the highest, you know, the highest paid driver in the world and all that really successful. And then like you're wasting your time and it's being distracting going to fashion shows. But it turns out for Lewis Hamilton, his mindset, he needed that break from the Mm -hmm. tension of putting his life on the line. That is not what we get for this. It's like like remember these two characters from the like the opening chapter of this book? No? Well, tough. They they were mentioned all the way back then. One of them only spent one afternoon with someone, and the other one is the psychologist of the Actually, one of the guys is more important. Either way, like these people, now they're going to talk about their plans for the evening, and then they're going to go through their plans for the evening. They're waiting for a flight somewhere or whatever. And while they're waiting for the site, let's spend 20 minutes of this audiobook of them just going and having a conversation about this person. It's not good. Storytelling, it's not good. <laughs> Like okay. And it's not good in a way which is frustrating when the rest of the book can't keep up. That, like I said, you know, that part at the start where they're like, hey, here's this, here's this language, decoded it, get the team together, and now we're off. Hmm. There's some, in the first half of this book, there's some really good, interesting stuff. Three quarters of the way through the book, there's some interesting discussions about language, but yeah. the the plot is not going very fast. And I understand what he's doing; he's reprogramming us as readers. You know, there's a lot of reprogramming, oh. like literary li- like in a literary way. He's using language in a way which is trying to, and this is the clever stuff. But it didn't work on me. But I could see what he was doing because I've just read two other novels by Books him. About- <laughs> you know, yeah. I yeah. can understand what he's doing yeah. in Nova the third book, or the first book that I read, but the third, the third book, book in, this yeah. kind of, in this kind of series of books here. He is, you know, using writing to talk about writing. One of the main characters is a writer. yeah. And the main character suddenly has long discussions about writing. Hmm. And the end of the book, the book ends with them going like, and then, oh, it turns out all of this book that we've been reading up until now is the book that the, the author has been yeah. writing. And then he was like, and then he got to the end of the page and was going to... And then the book ends and you're like, "Okay, Delaney, very good. This book has all along. This book has been the book that this person has been writing Mm -hmm. something, something, whatever. You know, I like that um, uh, Kim Stanley Robinson did exactly the same thing in The Wild. Sure. You're like, as you get through the book, the 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 end of the book is the the main character in the book writing about how he's struggling to end the book. Yeah. There it works because there's an emotional payoff he realizes in the in the in the in the wild shore. he realizes after all the actions finished, and now we're going around don't know what to do and then he kisses someone and it said in this kiss was a massive promise for the future and then the book ends like two pages later. You're like, ah, that's what he was doing. This young guy didn't know what he was doing in life. Have I peaked too early? All this adventure stuff that's happened yeah, so far in yeah, the book. Yeah. Have I already peaked? Like what's going to happen now? Who's going to like someone died, someone really important died. But since then, the the book has been not progressing. But in that time, it's been revealed that the novel that you've just read is the book that I am now writing. Yeah. And then he kisses someone and was like, oh, that's interesting. There's a future here, after all. Mm. I can end the book now. You know, there's a clever thing that's happening there, which is also working on a story level
1: and using language in language stuff. Yeah.
0: Um, So that's very much talking about novels and Mm storytelling in in a modern way, and as modern novelists. Um, the Einstein intersection is all about myth and it's about creation myth and again there's long sections in that book where they're like tell me what you know about myths and the characters are like you asked me that last time and I was like okay so we're having two distinct times in the book where somebody our main character is being asked what they know about myths and the characters themselves are discussing the mythic past of humans because these are aliens who are like coming down and inhabiting human bodies when the human souls and minds have left already and these aliens are taking over and they're trying to like find meaning in life by reliving myth that for me worked really well because it felt like mythic storytelling and the characters all felt mythic yeah. you know, that's why because I gave that aliens, four star
1: because these aliens don't just learn the human language they are trying to understand mm. human culture and behaviour yeah. within their stories
0: yeah. and this and uh and what's the book we're talking about now Babel 17 it's like right there in the name Babel it's about language mm. so we've got these three books one about language one about myth and one about storytelling mm-hmm. um And one of them, I got to the end and was like, I want to read this again. Yeah. And two of them, I got to the end and I was like, I can see what you were trying to do there. It didn't quite work on me. Mm. And... I found it, even though lots of the world building is very interesting, and actually, some of the parties in this book, there's interesting stuff happens at the party. Yeah, you know, yeah. in at the end of this one, where two people go out for dinner or go out for drinks before something more important happens, it it would it was a drag. Earlier in Babel Seventeen, people go to a party, and it's actually really good fun. You know, there there are some stuff that happens at yeah, parties. Yeah, but
1: obviously, that is like kind of like the the meaning behind it, like
0: that sometimes it's a drag yeah but here's the thing at that point the the main character in this book realizes that her brain has been reprogrammed and it's a weapon babel 17 is a weapon it's it's done by the invaders and Mm -hmm. they say um if we're going to do this we're going to put this uh, language out there and then whoever learns this language and starts thinking of it becomes like a double agent or becomes an agent for us right and starts working on our behalf we like reprogram them and the main characters kind of understand suddenly understand what's happening and the crew around them going oh shit now we understand what's happening here right we need to like isolate them so they just become isolated also isolated from the story Oh, so the I whole think- end of the story is like, oh, these two people now that have learned this two language are too dangerous. We're going to lock them in a box. Oh, shit. Now we need a new character. Who's our main character? These random two guys from the start of the book that we didn't care about and don't even know about and didn't even like one of them didn't even know. They only spent like this. And I'm like, oh, that's a real pity that by the end, again, at the end, at the end of, uh, of uh, Nova, the book just ends like, oh, I can't think of a way how to finish the book you know it's that kind of thing mm. here it's sort of like oh what happens when your main characters become double agents and too dangerous to be involved in the story we don't anymore? Follow them anymore we don't get to spend time with them like they have they they the, these two characters have re- first of all reprogrammed each other's minds one of them has in their language um or in he the one of the characters doesn't have a concept of i or you it's mm. sort of like this person does that and you're like oh when you say this person what you're trying to say is i do this yeah or that person so it's this person and that person mm. and it's like oh i you and me and a whole section of the book is our main character trying to reprogram that person to understand what you and me means mm-hmm. and what is you and me like, yeah. if, you're, if you're then the main example, and of course they fall in love, and I'm like, oh, this is clever. Like, what's going on here is clever. Yeah. You can actually, like, by programming someone's mind or reprogramming or re-implementing language in someone, you can work out that there's a connection between you and me. Like, it's not just this person and that person or whatever. And I'm like, ah, oh, right, that, it makes no sense that these two characters are going to fall for each other until you realize, oh, no, the sapir Whorf hypothesis means that, that, that when they that learn is, each other's language and thought processes... It's possible, there can be this yeah. connection between the two of them, even mm. though he's a a brainwashed murderer person. Hmm. Um, okay. So,
1: like, when you now just said about this, this, uh, what, w- what, what it actually is? Did you just spoil what? the book? Then
0: it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because, like, it's not a spoiler because this is what the book is. Okay. Like. I mean, I don't maybe that is a spoiler that they like I just explained everything that's going on. Yeah. But it's not like I'm again, I'm now talking about the book at a slightly higher level than yeah. just the book is. And I see that lots of other people get this same stuff out the book as me mm. and are giving it like five stars and four stars. And I see all of this stuff there in the book. Yeah. And it's just not quite there. Right. And now I'm thinking if I read this book again, would I, or oh, if I read it and didn't listen to it as an audio book, because but I think that, that if I actually read this, mm. I could consider it a bit more. Yeah. Um, maybe I would give it like, in like I did the previous book when I read it the first time, I'm like, mm, two and a half stars. And mm. then I read it again. I'm like, oh no, four stars. Cause mm. I understand what more of what's going on here. Yeah. With this book, I don't think it, I do because it, it kind of like felt really obvious to me right from the start. Okay, the mythic stuff in Einstein's section, I had no idea what I was getting into at all. Yeah, and it was only like, like I say, three quarters of the way through the book, I was like, oh, I kind of understand what's going on here. I should go back and you know check it out from the start again. Yes, and but it these- was
1: it was at a high enough level for your. Brain and perception. It's
0: not that I want something to, to be too much of a challenge for me that I'm yeah. like, oh, I've got to go back and read it again. I want to feel like what I'm getting out of it is something is like a new experience of reading a novel. Yeah. And that's the reason, like, when I went back and listened to uh, easy again. Mm. You know, of course, I did it because you were reading it and I was like, oh, I'll reread it again. Yeah. Oh, well, let me just check in it and then I end up listening to the whole thing again. Um, there's some books which I will just go back and read a second time because mm. I'm like, ah, there's something in here which intrigues me enough. And the author is doing something clever and clever uh, as as cle- they're doing something clever enough that is worth me coming back and tr- get, giving another go with this. Yes. You know, Nine Fox Gambit did that. That's doing stuff about writing and storytelling and like game design and again, mind programming and all that other kind of stuff, which I'm like, oh, the. There's something really chunky for me to sink my teeth into here yeah. to get my brain around. Um, the uh, what's the other one by um, the 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 one that isn't Starship Troopers but is doing Starship? I can't remember what it was called. Oh, uh, the Light Brigade. Light Brigade. The yeah. Light Brigade by. Yeah. Cameron Hurley, was it? Yes. Again, that's a book where you get, I got like three quarters of the way through and I'm like, oh, uh, right, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it blows yeah. me away by the end. It's like, oh, great. You were doing something here with storytelling and timey-wimey stuff, yeah. which felt to me, and even stories of your lives by Ted Chiang does the same kind of thing you get to the end of that book and you're like oh mind blown you totally understand why they're like hey this could be a movie yeah but to make it into a movie it, dim- it diminished it so much for me because they're like oh you learn an alien language and then you can know things from the future and I'm like that was never that's not in the book you know and it's frustrating and that's what this feels to me like right. you get all the way through you're like right I see what you're doing I see what you're doing good you're talking about how many um how many ways to uh, d- do something with a verb or whatever we're talking about in Finnish and you're talking about this and that mm-hmm. and you're like oh this is really good and at the end of it it's sort of like and because Turkish has no um, and because Turkish has no uh, gendered pronouns sexism doesn't exist anymore and I'm like no that can't be that that can't be the outcome like right. that that's what it feels like <laughs> oh we don't have a word for sexism like we don't have a word for sexism in our so, language so it, it doesn't, doesn't exist yeah. you're like mm, I think yeah I think there's probably still it's sexism con- in Turkish it's a, yeah it's in about Turkey, co- concepts yeah.
1: It's not about w- words.
0: Yeah. Now there are some, grammar. Th- there are some things that ca- like I I th- in this book which I'm giving a free pass to. I like the idea that you learn someone's language and you fall in love with them, you know. There's other things in this book which is which are like hinted at or like the stuff around the edges. Mm. about language works really well okay and i like that yeah but the thing that the main plot rests on and then dictates what the pacing is and the action is wasn't good enough for the other things in the book which kind of let it down okay a long way to say, we've, we, we've talked about this book now, 59, 59 minutes, Juliana so, just yawned. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so again, um, there is still a lot more in this book which I didn't talk about. Okay. Like all that fun world building stuff <sighs> about people being dead and still being a part of the crew. Lots of really fun world building stuff, but it's really let down. Like all that world building stuff is isn't it doesn't feel like it's being supported by this main thesis about right. the about language. Yeah. Whereas all of the random stuff in um in uh, in the Einstein intersection felt like it was supporting these ideas of these mythic characters. OK. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, I, I get it. I get it. It's. um.
0: So this was an in, uh, hopefully an interesting debate about language. But you finished cetera. the book. Did finish the book. Yeah. And I'm going to give it like two and a half stars. Maybe even three stars. Because, again, what's going on here is like the, there's a lot of there's chunky stuff in the book. Right. But it is super dated being written in 1966. Yeah. And I honestly think the reason why this book won the Nebula Award, it's because it's again, it's a book about it's a book about language. And from a, a writer a, and authors, it, and from the science fiction or science fiction fantasy or whatever people it is,
1: who are also writers and
0: yeah, this is voted on by people other people and, who are authors and writers, yeah. And this is the reason why the movies that win the Oscars are so often about how movies are better than other things, it, 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 Hollywood, like, yeah, Hollywood, like. Um, La La Land, a, uh, yeah, La La Land wins Oscars, and you're like, "Fuck you, Ugh. fuck you, Los Angeles." D- a- another one, the artist. You remember the silent film one? Yes. It's sort of like, "Hey, this is a movie about movies, and mm. it's about how movies are made, and this is great." And you're like, "Fuck you." The um, the Birdman. It's sort of like, "Oh, a movie star goes to goes to um, New York, mm. and this movie person reinvents theater in such a great way that he is better at theater than all the other theaters because." he comes from the movie world, and I'm like, "Fuck you, uh, Argo," the the movie which is about the you know uh, it's the, it's about a, a, a hostage situation, and there's people in a country, and they're the, going to get them the out. Movie crew, and and what they do is they get together a movie crew to talk about movie, and the movie, movie, saves, movie production. The movie saves and the, the world. Literally, at the end, yeah. they're like, "Oh, what are you doing here?" And this guy mimes like, "Oh, the story of Argo is this one, and it's this movie here, and it's this Roger Zelazny Lord of Light thing, and we've got look here, and this and this person saves." The day by describing movie making to someone, and that's what allows the people to go out. And I'm just like, yeah. "Fuck you, Hollywood! Stop giving Best Picture ho- n- n- uh, awards to, to movies mo- to <laughs> movies where movie makers just get to suck their own cocks for an hour and a half or right. two hours, probably these days." Yeah. And you're just like, "Oh, ugh, uh. also, among others, won a, a, a Hugula Award." And that is literally Joe Walton going, remember this book from the 1960s? I read that book. Remember this book from the nineteen seventies? I read that book. Remember this book from the nineteen sixties? This book. Rinda, you know this science fiction author? It's literally that book is literally a young girl reading science fiction books and keeping a diary about science fiction books she's read. And as she gets through the book, I stop reading halfway through. Luke stops reading halfway through, and it goes on to win both the Hugo Award and the Nebula Award. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, wow.
1: And yes, of course. Wow, I mean, Joe Walton, it's...
0: you cracked the Oscars, sucking their own code i thought it was a book yes she is the one who cracked the code she wrote she wrote oh am i making noises she cracks the the code of hey if i write a novel about writing novels other novelists will like it one step deeper if i write a science fiction novel about writing a science fiction novel other science fiction authors will like it next level down, if I write a science fiction novel where I literally name check all other science fiction <laughs> authors, those people will probably read the book and maybe like it and maybe vote for me. And I'm like, I don't wow. Think,
1: I don't think people write these books to get an no, award. No, but
0: w- holy fuck, did she crack the code that time? It's also, it's, it's, it's not the only way to win, win, way to win a Hugo or a Nebula award. Sometimes it's just your turn. Sometimes you can be the guest of honour at a convention. At a Oh. And, no, no, I get, and, I mean, and the only talked, people who can vote for the war, award have are the people we talked about
1: the shortcomings of awards no, no it's, it's
0: not a, it's, again I like as a juggler I like other juggling shows you know yeah. again I'm not de- denigrating this I, also as, an, as someone who has written a lot and someone who reviews a lot I like books which also reflect on the writing process that's one of the reasons why Kim Stanley Robinson the Wild Shore, got five stars from me and that's also another reason why in these books, I'd like the literary dick part, swinging. Yeah. I like literary dick swinging. There has to be a story at the core. There has to yeah. be a character at the core, which yeah, can bring me it, you through You have that. to
1: make the point through the story.
0: No, because he's doing that. That's the thing if and this is my, this was my main critique of nova as well if the literary dick swinging gets in the way of a story if that overwhelms a yeah, good story that's what i mean
1: the story itself has to transport all of the idea. It just needs to
0: be a strong enough story. Yes, that, with a strong enough yeah. story, I can take any amount of literary dick swinging, any amount of language babble dick swinging, any amount of mythic knowledge dick swinging. Just I, to
1: stop it! I
0: can. I'm just saying, it's what it feels like sometimes. Yeah, it like when the Oscars award themselves. Awards about awarding themselves. Yeah. yeah. It, it happens in the Tonys as well. It happens in the Tonys. Oh, yeah, like, it happens oh, in like all look, these. The producers happens to win the Tonys. Who votes for the Tonys? Producers of Broadway shows. Yeah, yeah. like, oh, that's really uh, funny. The yeah. producers of Broadway shows happen to award best Broadway show to a, a, a Broadway a show about, about producing Broadway yeah, yeah, shows. Yeah, yeah. You're like, no,
1: no, it's uh,
0: It's okay. But Honestly, when the tone is award the producers best best thing, it feels like someone getting their cock out and slapping me on the face with it. That's what it feels like. And saying you suck my cock too, and I'm like, you know what? I'm not into it. You know, and I don't hold this against uh, uh, Delaney uh, for writing this book and then it winning a uh, a Nebula. But I also kind of understand why after writing these. Through, three books he literally just started writing hardcore hardcore ex- explicit sexual material and then wrote a massive fantasy story which was just a big fuck you to everyone because if you're being rewarded too much for this yeah it's it, for me it feels insulting for other writers to award this stuff mm. awards you know what I mean? Yeah. So again, I don't want, I, I haven't read Dahlgren and I haven't read all of his books where he talks just, you know, goes into explicit detail about sex acts in, in Times Square in the 1960s and 70s. Like he's written that kind of stuff. Mm. But I totally understand why. If you can win awards by what he did there, too easy. Honestly, too easy for mm. him. He's way better than the awards he got for this. Yeah, he's way better. Samuel Delaney is better at what he's doing than all the other science fiction writers who were giving him awards at that time. Right, I not get it. all of them, yeah. but you know.
1: How old was he when he wrote
0: this book? He's he was like twenty. He yeah. was like 19, 20 yeah. when he wrote this. Yeah, yeah. Genius. I mean, the book's genius. Yeah, but again, the dick swinging sometimes gets in the way of uh, of the story. And if you if you do like I said, if you do what he does plus have a good story and a good world building or everything like that. Five-star book, no problem at all. And that's what I say. That's what I get from these other books. You know, when someone has an idea this this great – you know, like that moment in, in when we did the review of Nine Fox Gambit, and you're, or, and you or not when you when you were reading it, you're like, I don't understand what I'm at. I'm Like, no, this passage is literally the characters having a conversation about game design, where they explain the whole novel and yeah. what the author wants to put. it. You know, that moment in the book mm. makes me sit up, and if the rest of the story can support that and that can impact the story in all that way, five stars. Yeah. And in this book, I had some of those moments where I was like, hmm. The no, the novelist is explaining the novel to me mm-hmm. by a with a conversation between two uh, a, people a
1: novel of a novelist exp- talking yeah. to another person yeah
0: whatever like that and that, that makes me sit up and notice yeah but if it's just a scene yeah if if that scene isn't based on character and doesn't move a plot and doesn't do all the things that I want from a novel mm. like what what is a novel it, it it falls down for me
1: okay you know what I mean so you stay with two and a half or go up to three.
0: I think for this book I'll give it three stars Okay Because I like the discussion Of the Sapir-Whorf hypothesis Yes Even though Like Delaney
1: He himself He
0: himself After writing a few novels About it Stepped away from it Stepped away from it And was like Oh actually no Concepts are bigger than language Right You know
1: Yeah
0: Hopefully people have enjoyed This discussion I've certainly enjoyed This discussion We've now done another Ten minutes Yes Uh, And and now my belly Is starting to make Loud
1: noises Yeah
0: All right. I've got to go and cook Juliana some lunch Wow that if that didn't pick up on the microphone, that was impressive. That was impressively loud. So I just want to say thank you to all of our listeners. Yes. Uh, I, let's get, head over to Goodreads and just have a look at this. This has actually got quite a. This has got three point seven seven uh, overall rating on Goodreads and three point five average rating among. So this is, okay. isn't it's like one, a three
1: three star book. Then
0: no, it isn't. For some people, it's a five star yeah, book. Yeah, but for you, for a lot for of you people,
1: giving it three stars yeah. it fits.
0: Mario the Lone Wolf Book Club uh, rated it four stars. Tama rated it three stars. Um Diva Diane rated it four stars. Yeah, so there's quite a lot of this. Ryan rated it three stars. Simple but convoluted. Enjoyable nonetheless. 3.5 stars. May say more at a later date. Ryan, you you didn't say you where was that? You wrote that in 2020. That's yeah. like two now years is old the time. <laughs> when is the later date? Now I think we've I think we've grilled him for doing the yeah, same yeah. thing. <laughs> Dragged him for saying the same thing. Huh. Um
1: I often feel the same. Like if I go to Goodreads after I finish a book, I um the immediate reaction would be, oh, Um, I have thoughts. I haven't quite collected them yet. I'm going to get back to it and then of course you forget it. Yeah, I I totally understand this.
0: This is why I've got a list of movies that I still got to put into Letterboxd which is the uh, or Letterboxd uh, which is Your the movie. which is like the good re- is the movie, movie. <laughs> good for movies, yeah. yeah. And I and I've got I've got notes in a in a in a document of like things that I want to say about it but I haven't just written up. It's right. funny here. Andre rated it 3 stars, recommends it for programmers, teachers. I only wish that Delaney's talent for linguistics carried over to his talent for developing characters and plots. Right. <laughs> This This book came up short when it came to story arc, but the conceptual elements were strong enough to make it very interesting. Yeah, I wish I'd have just read that out by Andre... Uh, he also gave it three stars, and I wish I'd have just... Uh, we,
1: we could have shortened the I could have podcast shortened everything. by 40 minutes. Great
0: talent for linguistics, uh, a bit disappointing in character and plot. Uh, Ellison rated it four stars, yeah. There's there's lots of, general lots of lots of uh, five stars, three stars, four stars. Not so many two-star ratings, but I'm sure some other people would give, would give it that. Yeah. So thank you very much. You can become our friends on Goodreads. You can check out the Goodreads uh, listener group. Uh, on goodreads on the mm. sfbrp listener group on goodreads yeah. there's a there's a thread called books i would like to see reviewed somebody recently recommended more than human by theodore sturgeon
1: okay thoughts so on that
0: i've started listening to that book last night as an audiobook um so, okay uh, my mum's just calling all me. right thanks a lot for listening and we'll catch you next time goodbye you answer the phone